0: You're listening to the Thriving Nurse Podcast. I'm your host, Abby Sanchez, and this is episode four Fact vs. Fiction. Welcome to the Thriving Nurse Podcast. This is the podcast for nurses who know that to take care of your patients and your families, first, you need to take care of yourself. If you're ready to create a balanced, beautiful, and bold life, you're in the right place. guys. How's it going? Thanks for joining me again on the Thriving Nurse Podcast. I'm excited to talk to you today. Thank you so much for listening and for reaching out to me, for telling me how you're applying this and your questions. It's so fun to actually talk to you guys and not just at you because it reminds me I'm not a crazy person. (laughs) Sometimes when I'm sitting here in this empty room talking to myself, I feel a little bit like a crazy person. I had a friend once who I worked with, and she thought it was so funny if I was in the middle of talking and I was looking away, she would sneak off. So when I turned around and realized I'd been talking to myself for a full minute, I would be like, oh my gosh, I looked so stupid. And she loved doing that to me. And that's kind of how this podcast feels sometimes. It's that moment dragged out for 30 minutes where I'm just talking to myself. (laughs) So I love actually hearing from you guys and remembering I'm not a crazy person. I'm having a conversation. So thank you so much. Please keep doing that. If you haven't found me on Facebook yet, look up Thriving Nurse, and you'll recognize the little podcast icon as the picture there. And whenever you have a question, please send me a message. I'd love to chat with you either individually or if you have a big question that I think a lot of other people have and might benefit from, it'd be great to do a podcast episode on it. That's actually where this podcast episode came from. I was having lunch with one of my good friends from nursing school, and we were talking about the things I've been teaching on the podcast. And if you're a new listener, let me give you a quick recap. We've been talking about how all of your emotions are created by a thought. So you have a thought, and that generates an emotion for you. And this is really powerful information, because if you're intentional about what you think, then you can create any emotion you want, any emotion that serves you in your life. So my friend and I were talking about this, and she was like, but how do you keep track of what's real? How do you know you're not just lying to yourself when you're trying to come up with a new thought? It can feel like we're just making up some story to make ourselves feel better. And so that's what I want to talk about today. How we know what is actually real and what we're creating. And I am not a philosopher. (laughs) I'm not going to get all Matrix or Truman Show on you. I really just want to try to simplify this so we can separate the two so we know what's true and real and what we're creating through our thoughts. All right, so what is reality? Let's solve all the mysteries of the universe right now, shall we? To understand what's real, we need to understand the difference between circumstances and thoughts. So this goes back to the coaching model I use with my clients and was developed by Brooke Castillo of the Life Coach School. So she talks about what a circumstance is. So let me define that for you. It is the facts of the situation. There's no opinion or judgment added to it. Another way I like to look at it is it's something that could be proven in a court of law. So think about your progress notes. When you're writing a progress note during your shift, you're trying to just give the facts to be really objective, right? So you wouldn't put in your progress note that you went into the patient's room and they were glaring at you like they wanted to kill you. And then they chucked a cup across the room and were being completely unreasonable and rude you wouldn't put that in a progress note. That would be way too much drama, way too much of your own opinions. So you'd have to scale it back, right? You would say, I went into the patient's room, they said these things, they threw a cup, and you'd continue to give the exact details, the facts, without any extra drama. Our progress notes aren't the gold standard. Sometimes we do have to give our own interpretation. But I just wanna give you that example to keep in the back of your mind of how to pull out the facts. All right, now another important thing to know about circumstances is that they are completely neutral. They're not inherently good or bad. They're neutral until we have a thought about them. So let me tell you what a thought is. A thought is a sentence in your brain That adds meaning to the circumstance. It adds your own opinions, your own interpretation and judgment, and it can add a lot of drama. So let me give you some examples to pull apart what's a circumstance and what's a thought. A circumstance could be that it's 90 degrees outside. That would be a fact, right? You could prove that in a court of law. But you could have some thoughts about that circumstance. You could say, it's way too hot out. It's so miserable. I should just stay inside all day. I can't do anything fun. So all of that, those would be your thoughts. Another circumstance could be laundry on the floor. So let's say I go into my bedroom and I see a pile of clothes I had folded a few days ago and asked my husband to put away. So that pile of laundry would be the circumstance. And you know, I'm going to have a whole bunch of thoughts about that circumstance, right? Of course, it's probably going to be something like, my husband's been so busy lately, I'll just put these away for him. That's where my brain usually goes when my husband hasn't done something I asked him to do, right? (laughs) But occasionally, it might have some other thoughts to offer me. My brain might offer me a thought like, I always have to do everything around here. He's so lazy. Or if he respected me and he appreciated me folding these clothes for him, then he would have put them away. So again, these are all my thoughts. They're all the meaning and the drama I'm adding to that circumstance. The clothes sitting on the floor not put away aren't making me feel however I feel. It's all those thoughts about them. And it's so funny to me how we develop these thoughts. And sometimes they're so illogical, but we don't even notice. Right? Like, I doubt my husband has ever had the thought cross his mind. Like, oh, I've got some time right now to put this laundry away, but I don't appreciate my wife, so I'm just going to leave it there. He's never thought that before. But I create this story in my head that doesn't even make sense, but still causes me all this negative emotion. Let me give you one more. Are any of you guys on Tinder? I am not because I'm married, (laughs) remember? That'd be weird. And I've actually never been on Tinder because it came around after I'd gotten married already. So I haven't gotten to experience all the joys of Tinder I hear about. But let's say you went on a few dates with a guy from Tinder and you had a really good time. You guys were texting a bunch and then all of a sudden it goes silent. He doesn't text you back for five days. That would be the circumstance. Tinder guy texts me back after five days. And I know when I was dating, I would add a lot of meaning. I would overanalyze those situations, right? And so I might think something like, what a jerk. We had such a good time. I can't believe he's not texting me. Or I bet he's hooked back up with his ex-girlfriend. Or maybe I'd think I knew it was too soon to tell him about all my cats. (laughs) Or I'm so awkward. I always ruin everything. No one's ever going to like me. So by having all these thoughts, I'm creating this story in my head about the circumstance. Now, thoughts aren't bad. I know a lot of these examples kind of make it seem like our thoughts are a bad thing, but they're not. They can be really great. They're what set us apart from other species. Other species can maybe have some thoughts. I'm sure they can, but we have a higher level functioning in our brains that we can grow and evolve and learn as a species because of the complexity of our thoughts. And it's pretty cool. And having thoughts is so necessary because we need to be able to interpret situations to interact with people socially. And so our thoughts help us learn and grow and they create variety and creativity in our society. So We don't wanna stomp those out, we need to have thoughts, we will continue having thoughts. But if you can separate those things, if you can pull them apart and see what's a circumstance, what are the facts here, and what's just a thought, what am I creating? Then you can be a lot more intentional about what you want to create in your life. And I know at first, when you start trying to replace your thoughts, when you try to create a more useful story, It can feel kind of awkward, we're not used to doing this. And so, like my friend, we can be like, wait a second, am I just lying to myself? It seems kind of delusional. But the truth is, it's delusional either way. Either way, it's just a story you're creating. So with Tinder man, I could create the story that he's back with his ex-girlfriend, that I'm a loser, that no one wants to date me. And that's all just a story I made up or I could believe something else, something that serves me better. The key is you want it to drive your best actions. It's not just about feeling good all the time. So with Tinder guy, if I wanted to just feel good, I could believe that he's in love with me and we're probably going to get married. And so I should keep calling and texting him nonstop because I know that we're meant for each other. If I do that, I'm going to be what we would call a stalker. And being a stalker is not my best actions. So even though that story may feel good, it's not serving me well. So I'm not saying you should just be delusional and choose what makes you feel good, but you should choose a story that drives your best actions. So maybe I want to believe that he has a perfectly good reason for taking that amount of time to text me back. And I don't need to try to guess what that reason is. That thought is still a story I'm creating, but I'm not adding a whole bunch of extra meaning and drama that cause me additional suffering. So I'm not beating myself up. I'm not getting angry at Tinder man and going to freak out at him. I'm just open to whatever his reason was. And I can decide who I want to be not knowing that reason. So you see how you don't have to jump from one extreme to the other. There's a whole range of stories in the middle, and so the possibilities are endless. You can choose whatever story drives your best actions. That's the goal. So next I wanna talk about why we have trouble separating our circumstances from our thoughts. Because when I'm explaining it, it might seem like, oh, that's so easy. Of course I can recognize what's a circumstance and what's a thought but let me tell you why sometimes we struggle with this. So the first reason is that our brain hates to be wrong. and It loves to be right. So when we have a thought, our brain searches for evidence to prove that it's true. And it kind of discounts evidence that might go against our belief. And so we really focus in on the things happening around us that back up our story. Several months ago, I went to an event with one of my good friends. It was a financial planning program. And during the event, we were sitting at a table with some older gentlemen. And one of the guys started talking to me. And he was asking about if my husband was going to be coming with me to the program. And he saw that I had a new baby and was wondering how I was going to work that out. And was asking me all these questions. And later, my friend came up to me and was like, I can't believe that guy. That was so rude. And I was like, what? What do you mean? Because I had seen it completely differently. I saw it that he was just being friendly and looking out for my best interest, not trying to be condescending or rude. It was so fascinating to me because my friend and I experienced the exact same circumstance. We both heard the same words and saw the same body language but we interpreted them so differently. And that's because we had some preconceived notions. We both had some thoughts about what it meant for a man like that to be saying those words to me. And those preconceived notions caused us to pick the parts of the interaction that backed up our own story. Isn't that crazy? And I'm not saying one of us was right and one of us was wrong. We have no idea. What was driving him to say those things? But because of our thoughts, we both experienced it differently and it made our own views stronger. Those preconceived notions we had were even stronger because of what we personally experienced in that interaction. Crazy, right? So sometimes it's hard for us to recognize that something is just a thought. It feels like a fact. Our brain has been looking for evidence to back it up for a long time. We might have a whole file cabinet full of evidence to back up that thought. So it feels really true to us and we don't want to let it go. Another reason it's hard to know when something is a circumstance versus a thought is because when everybody else agrees with us, we think it's a fact. That's just more evidence for us to put in that file cabinet to support our story. And because the story feels so true and everybody else seems to agree with us, we think we're just making an observation. Take someone who says their manager gets angry really easily. They're going to have a whole bunch of evidence to back that up. It's going to feel like a fact to them, right? So they'll tell me about the time when they didn't answer the call bell right away and their manager snapped at them. Or how they went to talk to their manager about their schedule and she blew up at them. And they're going to say, oh, but it's not just me. Everyone else on our unit would tell you this. And they would tell story after story that shows their manager getting angry really easily. And so that feels like a fact to them. They think they're just making an observation when they say that. So because they have all this evidence and everybody agrees with them, they think that's just a fact and they don't realize it's a thought. All right, does that make sense? Okay, so the last reason I wanna talk about for why we have such a hard time separating circumstances from thoughts is because as we search for evidence to back up our story and when everyone else agrees with us, our story gets stronger. And so we create these thought loops. You guys know all about pathways, right? So the more we do something, the more we practice it, the more efficient our brain gets at doing it. And that's true with our thoughts. The more we practice a thought, the quicker our brain is to offer it to us. This was so helpful in nursing school. When we were studying pathophys, we wanted to have those thought loops about how different things connected to each other, what certain symptoms meant. And so the more we practiced it, the more we went to clinicals and studied it in our textbooks and had to retrieve that information for the test, the stronger those thought loops became. So now when you have a patient and you see that they're all swollen and you hear crackles in their lungs, you're like, oh, fluid overload, okay. You recognize that automatically. So those thought loops can be helpful, but they can also cause problems. But because they're happening so quickly, we often don't even notice them. We think we're just having a natural reaction to a situation. So, for example, if my husband doesn't do something that I asked him to do, so like the example I gave earlier where I had asked him to put the laundry I had folded away, if he didn't do that, when I see the laundry, I might automatically feel irritated. And I might not even notice that there's a thought happening because I've gotten so good at that thought loop that it happens in an instant. And then all the emotion floods over me. So if I've been practicing the thought that if my husband doesn't do what I asked, that it means that he's lazy or it means he doesn't respect me, then as soon as I see something he didn't do, my brain's going to want to give me that thought because our brains like to do what's easy and it's a lot easier to give a thought we've rehearsed over and over again than to come up with a brand new one. And so because those thought loops happen so quickly, it's hard to separate them from the circumstance. All right, so let's bring it back to my friend's question. To answer part one of her question, what is reality? I would say that reality is those circumstances. That's all we can really know to be true. Those facts of the situation. The rest is just the story we're creating. Now, I get that that seems like a pretty simplistic way to define reality. Like there's so much going on in other people's brains, and other people's lives, and that's all reality too, right? But what I want to offer to you is that that's none of your business. How do you like that? (laughs) I promise that's actually very good news. Byron Katie teaches that there are three types of business in the world. There's my business, other people's business, and God's business. So let me tell you what those three things are. So my business would be my thoughts, feelings, and actions. And those three things, my thoughts, feelings, and actions are all within my control. Okay, so that's my business. Other people's business would be their thoughts, feelings, and actions. And then God's business, which if you're not religious, that's totally fine. It doesn't have to be God necessarily. It could be the universe or some higher power or whatever you believe in, but things that are outside of human control. So think of like chance events that happen or chain reactions that lead to an outcome way down the road that no one could have ever expected. So it's those complexities of life that humans can't control and we can't even comprehend. That's what Byron Katie refers to as God's business. Okay, so those are the three types of business. But what I want you to know is that other people's business and God's business are completely outside of your control. You can't control those things and you can't know every little detail. And like I said, this is actually very good news. Because think of how much energy we spend trying to read other people's minds, trying to figure out how they feel. We can't know those things, and we don't need to. We have enough information from our circumstances to decide how we wanna think, feel, and act. So if you let go of other people's business and you stay in your own business, then you can put all your time and energy into the things you can actually control. Stay with me. I know these are some big concepts, and I'm just giving kind of a surface overview. We could do a whole podcast episode, and maybe we will sometime about the different types of business. But I just want to give you a little overview of it to show you that we know enough about reality to make decisions for ourselves. And of course, we can try to understand what other people are going through and empathize with them. And we can try to look at the big picture and try to find meaning in our lives, but we can do those things because that's who we want to be. That's how we want to show up in the world, not because we're trying to read someone else's mind or trying to influence their behavior. So that's what's real to me, the circumstances, the facts that I can know to be true, and then my own thoughts, feelings, and actions. That's the reality I'm creating for myself. And thank goodness, everything else, I don't need to worry about. That's all I need to control to be exactly who I want to be in the world. All right, so let's move on to part two of my friend's question. She was wondering how you come up with a new thought that feels true to you. So you don't just feel like you're lying to yourself. And that's really important because your brain needs to buy into it. We want to come up with a thought that our brain can believe, and that can be a struggle sometimes. The key concept to understand that will help you believe your new thoughts is that circumstances are neutral. Do you remember I kind of tagged that on to the definition of a circumstance? That circumstances aren't inherently good or bad. They are neutral until we have a thought about them. It's our thoughts that create that judgment, that meaning that we give it. Think about a piece of paper. On its own, it's not good or bad. It's just neutral, right? But it's what we do with that paper, what we write on it, that gives it meaning. So our circumstances are just like a blank piece of paper. They're not good or bad. And our thoughts are the story we're putting on that piece of paper, They're the meaning and the value we give to our circumstances. This concept is kind of tricky to grasp. I get that. There are so many circumstances that we're like, for sure, that's a good thing. And for sure, that's a bad thing, right? And so to be told that all circumstances are neutral is not how we're used to thinking about it. But when you start viewing circumstances in this way, it gives you the power to decide how you want to think about it. And maybe you want to think about it like it's a good thing. And maybe you want to think about it like it's a bad thing, right? So it doesn't have to stay neutral in your mind, but if it starts neutral, that gives you the power to decide how you want to think about it. And you can choose thoughts that drive your best actions. So when I coach people and they're really struggling to believe a positive thought about something, when they're like, this just feels like I'm lying to myself, I can't believe this, that's because they're not believing the circumstance is neutral. They have a neutral circumstance, and then they're thinking a negative thought about that, and then they're trying to think a positive thought about their negative thought. See what I mean? And so that's why their brain isn't believing it. So if you're struggling to find a thought that your brain can believe, I suggest taking a step back and give yourself some time and see if you can get to a place where you can believe that the circumstance really is neutral. And once you can believe that, then you'll be so much more open to viewing the circumstance in other ways. All right, so let's test this out. Let's see if circumstances really are neutral. And the way I test it is that if a circumstance isn't neutral, if it's inherently good or bad, then everyone would have to agree with that judgment. It could be proven that it's either good or bad. So I want to run through a few circumstances with you. I'm going to mention first some circumstances that most people would consider positive. But I want you to think, could anybody think that that is a negative circumstance? Okay. So the first circumstance that we would generally consider to be a positive one is being told you're beautiful. Those are lovely words, right? It's so nice to hear those words. It couldn't be a bad thing, could it? What if it was coming from one of your patients? Maybe you'd still see it as a compliment, but it could cross the line over to sexual harassment, right? Make you really uncomfortable, actually. One of my sisters and I used to joke that the difference between a really good boyfriend and a super creepy stalker was if you wanted that attention from them, right? Those two people could be doing the exact same things. And one of them, it's going to be like, oh, that's so sweet. And the other one, it's going to be like, that's super creepy. Leave me alone. (laughs) So being told you're beautiful isn't necessarily a positive circumstance. Your thoughts about it are what make it positive or negative in your mind. How about another circumstance we tend to think is positive? Going to Disneyland. What, that's the happiest place on earth. That's gotta be a positive circumstance. But if it is positive, then everyone would have to view it that way. And guess what? My husband doesn't like Disneyland. I know, what a Grinch, right? (laughs) But going to Disneyland is neutral. Am I going to get a bunch of backlash for that? (laughs) It's all of our thoughts about it that help us enjoy it or that make us cringe at the thought. But Disneyland is just neutral. How about weddings? It's almost wedding season. Isn't that exciting? I love going to weddings. I love hearing people's vows and celebrating their love with them. It's so beautiful but are weddings really a good thing? Let's think about what a wedding is. It's two people signing a piece of paper and maybe there's some music and dancing and hopefully cake involved. So when we break it down like that, it's not that different than a birthday party, right? But it's all the meaning and the significance we give to signing that piece of paper that make it such a special day. And of course, we don't want our wedding day to be neutral in our mind. Keep thinking thoughts about how it was such a beautiful, special day. But just know that it's your thoughts that give it that meaning. It's not the wedding itself. All right, let's try on some things that people consider to be negative circumstances. How about when your child doesn't get invited to a birthday party? That's so sad, right? We feel so bad for them. It feels terrible to see your child unhappy but can we know for certain that it's negative again if we break that down all it is is a group of people getting together and your child not being asked to be one of the people in that group that circumstance on its own is neutral but we create all this drama by what we make it mean So if we think it means other kids don't like our child, that they're not making friends, that they're doing poor socially, then we're going to have a hard time. It's going to feel like a very negative circumstance. But it could also be a very positive thing. Maybe this is a good experience for your child because they're going to learn it doesn't feel good to get left out. So maybe they'll be more thoughtful and reach out to other kids who get left out. So that could be a valuable lesson for them. All right, let's try on another one. How about getting pulled over for speeding? Doesn't your stomach just sink when you see the lights behind you? You think that's a very bad thing. I'm gonna have to pay all this money. It seems like that's a bad circumstance, but is it really bad? Think about if we never got pulled over for speeding, if everyone could just speed. It's good that those laws are enforced to keep people safe. So I've already made up my mind that the next time I get pulled over, I'm just going to be super grateful. I'm going to think that I was about a minute away from getting in an accident, and this cop just saved my life. That way I can be like, sweet, instead of dying, I just have to pay 200 bucks, or whatever it is. (laughs) Getting pulled over is neutral, so it doesn't have to stay as this negative thing in my mind. Okay, let's do one more, how about murder? I mean, the other ones we can make a case for, but could murder really be a neutral circumstance? Remember, if it's not neutral, then everyone has to agree with us that it's bad, every single person in the world. But if everyone agreed with us that murder was bad, there wouldn't be any murders. But some people are thinking it's a good idea, So the circumstance itself is still neutral. It's not until you have a thought about that murder that makes it good or bad, okay? And I'm not saying that you wanna get rid of your thoughts about murder. You want it to stay a neutral circumstance or even make it a positive circumstance. It helps me to think murdering people is a bad thing. So I don't wanna change that thought, but I know that it's the thought that makes it bad not the circumstance itself, okay? So please continue to have fun at Disneyland and think tons of positive thoughts about that. Feel empathy for your child not getting invited to the birthday party and hold on to your belief that murdering people is a bad choice. But just remember that without the thoughts, the circumstance is neutral. And that's a beautiful thing because if you realize the thoughts aren't serving you at some point, you can change them anytime. And so that is my recommendation to you. If you're trying to come up with a new thought that will create a more useful emotion and drive better actions in your life, then see if you can get to a place where you truly believe that this circumstance is neutral and I can think whatever I want to about it. But if you can't make it neutral, if you're just stuck in a place where you're like, nope, I can't get there right now, then that's totally fine. Don't force it. Instead, you might just need to try a different angle to find a thought that works for you. And I would be more than happy to help you do that. So make sure that you're following me on Facebook at Thriving Nurse because I'm going to be letting you know pretty soon about some exciting ways you can get help from me. All right, my friends, so let me give you a quick summary to wrap it up. In order to know what's fact and what's fiction, we need to separate our circumstances from our thoughts. So what are the facts of the situation and what's the story we're creating? So if you start noticing your thoughts and they're not creating what you want in your life, then remember that the circumstance is neutral and you can tell yourself any story that you want about it. Because remember, you're going to tell yourself a story anyway. It's delusional either way. So choose the story based on what drives your best actions. And if you're struggling to find a thought that resonates with you, then try a different angle until you get something that your brain can find truth in. All right, you guys, that was a lot of heavy information today. So as always, feel free to send your questions my way on Facebook or Instagram. I'd love to help you out. Thanks for hanging out. I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. If you like what you're learning on the Thriving Nurse Podcast, then make sure to subscribe and head on over to iTunes to leave a review. That's the best way to help other nurses find this podcast so we can cure burnout together.